You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC, and now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. All right, welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. And Rochelle and I are excited because this is episode 50, 5 Let's go. And Woo! Yeah, <laughs> Woo, get excited. So crazy that we've been doing it for this long and uh, we're this far in, but it's been awesome. A lot of fun, seeing a lot of growth in listeners. It seems like every episode gets more and more downloads, which is cool. Um, but yeah, we decided for episode 50, we'd have some fun and, and compile a list of, of 50 nuggets of financial wisdom for your listening pleasure. So some of this, a lot of these are just quotes that we've found uh, on the internet, so we can't verify the accuracy of all of them. We we did our best to give credit where credit is due. Some of them just don't have uh, uh, who said it, but given our research team consists of Rochelle and I, there wasn't a whole ton of, of digging that went in beyond just finding the quotes online. So if, if, if it was typed or written or said and it's there, someone clearly said it, so if we liked it, we went with it. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, we've got a uh, um, you got 50 of them to go through, plus a couple bonus ones at the end. So time is of essence. So we'll just dive into it here. So Rochelle, do you want to kick us off? Mm-hmm. I love this first one because we're starting, and it says a journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step by Lao Tzu. So founder of Taoism, author of The Art of War. Some of you may have heard of him, but I think you know when you're starting with financial planning, you got to start small. And the first step might just be listening to this podcast. So welcome. There we go. Yeah, I got to baby step your way. First step. So, all right. Number two, the desire of gold is not for gold. It is for the means of freedom and benefit. That was by Ralph Waldo Emerson. So that one kind of gets to the whole uh, financial independence thing. You know, it's not just the goal isn't to just have a pile of money. It's what does that money do for you? And for a lot of you, it's, you know, an ability to live life the way you want it to have control over your time and whatnot. So it's a solid one. Mm hmm. Next, this is an old school one. A penny saved is a penny earned. Apparently that was Benjamin Franklin. I had no idea that we can even attribute that quote to someone because you just hear it all the time. You don't realize like someone initially had to say that, obviously, but absolutely true. If you ever go visit Benjamin Franklin's grave in Philadelphia, people throw pennies on it, and it's just covered in pennies. It's pretty cool to see. Aww. So, But it's so true. I mean, that's like rule of financial planning is spend less than you make. That's kind of step one. Absolutely. So, all right. Let's see. Here's the next one. Number four, start saving for university before your kid is born and start saving for your retirement before you graduate university. You'll feel silly when you start and feel like a genius when you finish. So just time value of money. Yeah. Get Mm -hmm. started sooner. The sooner you start saving, the sooner you'll get to where you want to be and take advantage of compound interest, which I think we might have another quote about that here at some point. Yep. I know. I think there's a lot of like double quotes, but at the same time, they're points that deserve to be reinforced. 
This next one just says the pow- the most powerful way to grow your money is learning to live with we- less since you have complete control over it. So beyond your necessities, if you don't invest in extras or buy extras, then you obviously have more money and more freedom to make choices. So it relates to a lot of the other things that we've already talked about. But again, I think that's a, a big thing for our, our clients a lot of times when they're switching from being in training where you have enough to kind of get by to being an attending where you could potentially spend a lot more money, but you don't have to. You can make choices and you can live on a little bit less. Absolutely. Yeah. Spend less, save more, focus on the things you can control, which is, yeah, how much you spend is one of those. All right. Number six, it's not how much money you make, but how much money you keep, how hard it works for you, and how many generations you keep it for. And that was Robert Kiyosaki, who is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know, you know, he can be a somewhat polarizing figure um, uh, for some people, given his history. I think he at some point declared bankruptcy, but still, his, that's a great book. If any of you want a book on personal finance, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's a really good one. Um, you know, it talks a lot about real estate investing, uh, but, you know, just the principles of it in general, not just like what to invest in, but the whole idea of, you know, paying yourself first, saving money and really putting it towards your goals. And, uh, it's, a yeah, it's a good one. Absolutely. I like this next one too. So two things you can do to make yourself a better investor, increase both the amount of time you're investing for and the humility, <laughs> the humility you put into your ideas. That is so important. I think overconfidence when you're investing is a big deal. Like if you think that you're really, really good, you're probably missing something. And and sometimes overconfidence just comes from circumstance. Like you happened to have really good timing this time. It doesn't mean that you will every time. So give yourself more time to be invested, to take advantage of that compounding interest, and have a little humility when you're approaching the choices you're making. Yeah, and the time thing is huge. Like we talked about that in a previous episode, I think Warren Buffett, how you know he's worth what a hundred billion dollars, but part of it's just because he's been investing for eighty years, and uh, you know most of his wealth has come in those latter years as his assets have just compounded. Speaking of compounding assets, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. That's the one and only Albert Einstein. He's credited with that one. So, yeah, if you can get on the correct side of compound interest, it can do wonders for you. If you're on the wrong side of it, like with high credit card debt or other debts with interest, those can be uh, can be challenging to dig yourself out of that hole. Mm-hmm. This one is very telling. So every five to seven years on average, people forget that recessions occur every five to seven years. <laughs> so, you know, we forget what has happened in the past, but just make sure that when you're investing long term, you expect some downturns because they will happen, especially if you have a long time to be invested. If you're 30 and you're working on retirement savings, you're going to see a few recessions. And it's important to not change what you're doing terribly while that happens and just make sure that you're mentally prepared for it. That's a a big part of being successful when you're investing. I think just mentally prepared for the unknown because if we can plan ahead and predict it happening, it's probably not going to happen because we'll do what we can to curb it from happening. So like 2020 was a good example. No one saw that one coming. 
Um, but just being prepared that at some point there's going to be a recession and, you know, plan, you know, expect the unexpected more or less. And this one kind of goes along the same lines, uh, number 10 here. About once a year, people forget that the stock market declines by about 10% once a year. <laughs> Every single year, we see market declines. It's actually more than 10% on average. I think the average is more like 14 or 15% per year, if you average it out. Some years are bigger than others, of course. But every every single year, you can expect stocks to decline in value. They don't go on an escalator straight up. They move all over the map, upwards, downwards, sideways. So, uh, so yeah, be, you know, don't concern yourself too much if you see your investments go down a little bit in value, because it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And we expect, you know, one out of four years to end up down. Like three out of four years, it's probably going to end up up, just on average. So there's a lot of upside potential there. During the last 100 years in the USA, there have been more 10% market pullbacks than Christmases. So yes, we expect it to happen at least once per year, sometimes more than once per year. Christmas only comes once per year. You can have more than one market pullbacks. So everyone knows Christmas will come. You just have to think of volatility the same way. Yeah, expect it. You know, get comfortable with it. Here's a good one I like. Number 12, read more history and fewer forecasts. So another quote that I don't think we included it on here, but uh, kind of along this line that I, oh, I forget who said it, but um, it was something along the lines of uh, the purpose of economic forecasting is to make astrology look respectable. So <laughs> it's uh, read those star signs. Yeah. Trying to predict the future. No one has a good functioning crystal ball. Yeah. We want to judge investors by the quality of their arguments, not the performance of their last trade. Hashtag Everyone luck. can make mistakes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, luck is a big driver of a lot of things. This one's great. Number 14, you're only diversified when some of your investments perform worse than others. Not everything can perform the best. It doesn't work that way. No, it's like <laughs> impossible for everything. To it's impossible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like in order to be the best, that means you're better than something else. So, yep. Um, you know, if you if you have some bad performing investments, that's as long as it's not all of your investments, it's probably a good thing. You know, you want to be diversified. That way, you're always invested in the best performing area and never overly exposed to the worst performing area. Yep. You're twice as biased as you think you are. Four times as biased if you disagree with that statement. <laughs> I think uh, Corey and I both get some email newsletters from Carl Richards, and he just put out a post that said that everyone has a blind spot, basically. And, you know, the point of a blind spot is that you don't see it. And it's the same thing with your biases. Like, you don't see your biases either. So, you know, in order to kind of confront the truths about yourself, see your own biases a lot of times, you need some outside opinions to be able to do that. Yeah, and just I think human psychology is a fascinating thing. I encourage you guys to read some of the work by Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. I think Thinking Fast and Slow is their uh, famous book that they wrote. I think it was published maybe five or ten years ago. Uh, Richard Thaler has some great work as well. So, um, yeah, the... You know, we all have biases, whether we want to believe it or not. So, and that's just part of being human. Let's see, where where are we at? What number 16. are we on? I lost track. 16. Number sixteen. 
be careful. So number 16, be careful when reading about how stupid investors can be and not realize you're reading about yourself. So not trying to offend anyone here. Um, (laughs) But getting back to the bias thing, we all, you know, believe what's the the study? 90% of drivers think they're above average drivers when that statistically is impossible. Um, so we all think we're a little bit better than we really are at pretty much everything in life. And, uh, you know, I will point out one thing here, Corey. So we're going to have a guest in a couple of weeks. So she's amazing. She's like the, the Aussie doc. And we're going to talk to her about like female investing and basically men are much more overconfident than women. Just so you all know. (laughs) Here, hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this one. Your circle of competence is probably 90% smaller than you think it is. So everyone thinks they're an expert on things that they are not experts on because you read a few blog posts, you know, listen to a few podcasts that makes you better informed than maybe a lot of people, but not necessarily an expert on something. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. go ahead, Corey. I was yeah, say, the COVID experts. <laughs> yeah, how many people do we know, your friends and family, non-infectious uh, disease specialists who are experts on how COVID spreads and how effective masks are and uh, all things pandemic related. So it's, uh, yeah, you know, we're not a, you know, what is, uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, yep. not as, we, we don't have a broad range of expertise in everything. We can't all be a renaissance man. All right, number 18. Big risks will always be disregarded. Small risks always blown out of proportion. So, you know, it's just the classic overreaction. I think a good example is long-term inflation is a huge risk for people. Just, you know, every year if, if cost of living goes up by 2 or 3% on average, you don't really notice it from one year to the next, but... That means every 25, 30 years, cost of living doubles. So things are a lot more expensive over the long haul. So that's a pretty big risk that, that you'll face over time. But one that's that's really a small risk in the grand scheme of things is where you know we hear people hesitant to, to put money into their Roth IRA, making their $6,000 annual contribution because the market's an all-time high and, and they don't want to buy when the market's at its peak. It's like, it's only 6000 bucks, and the market's going to be at a lot of all-time highs if it keeps going up over time. So that's not mm-hmm. really a big risk at all, in our opinion. Absolutely. It's a small risk. I like this one too. The, the more you learn about the economy, the more you realize you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and I think that's <laughs> true for everyone, even people in this industry. Like, like we can talk about market cycles all we want and like how, you know, there's a peak and there's a trough and blah, 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 blah. And how, you know, fiscal policy and monetary policy influence the stock market. But then you try to use that to actually figure out what's going on and it, it doesn't work. <laughs> so, you know, like don't don't overestimate your abilities there either. What do we say about economists? They're here to make astrologists look respectable. Right. Social science. (laughs) This is a good one. So number 20, which I feel like a lot of people have lost sight of over the last, call it, decade. But you have no obligation to have an opinion about anything. And you have a strict obligation to not have an opinion about things you don't understand. This always reminds me of my dad. My dad is like the only person that I have heard say on a regular basis 
I don't really have an opinion about that because I don't know very much about it. Like he literally says that and every time he says it, I feel such a sense of like, that is so refreshing. No one says that anymore. Yeah. Pick but... a side. You need to pick a side. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. If you don't understand, just, yeah, it's fine. You don't have to have an yep. opinion. Absolutely. You shouldn't feel strongly about any investment you haven't spent at least a week thinking about. So if it's new, if it's new to you, you've heard a little bit about it, but you don't really know a whole lot, you know, it doesn't make sense to have a really strong opinion if it's something brand new in your circle. Yep. All right, number 22. Respect the role luck has played on some of your role models. And I think just in all of our lives, luck is a much bigger factor than we probably all care to admit. Just the fact we were born where we were, when we were in America, you know, just living in a time you talk about from an investment perspective. We have a, a period of time where the stock market's going gangbusters, interest rates are super low, and you can buy a house with a 3% interest rate mortgage. Like, it's nuts. That's, uh, you know, pretty lucky in... Uh, you know, not everyone benefits from luck. Luck works both ways. Some people have, you know, they work hard, they do their best, they just get hit with a string of bad luck, whether that's health issues, you know, whatever. So, um, so yeah, count your blessings. Absolutely. Warren Buffett's folksy talk misleads people into thinking that what he's accomplished is easy. It's not. Not everyone can be Warren Buffett. Partially luck, partially timing, partially a lot of hard work, too. If you read some of his biographies and stuff, like he, he's literally has made his wealth by just reading through financial statements of companies for 15 hours a day, and uh, you know not everyone has the mental bandwidth to and focus to just to do that. It's not enjoyable pleasure reading. It's 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 yeah, it's uh, deep stuff. Let's see, number 24. This one's good. Quit day trading and donate your money to charity instead. Same financial result for you and a better outcome for society. Oh, put your money to good use, folks. <laughs> yeah, day trading yeah. is a tough one to over the long period of time to be successful at. It's kind of no different mm -hmm. than going to Vegas. You know, you might have a string of luck, but at the end of the day, the house tends to win. Mm-hmm. A good rule of thumb for many things in life holds that things take longer to happen than you think they will and then happen faster than you thought they could. That's Larry Summers. He's the former director of the National Economic Council of the U.S. Treasury Department or, oh, yeah, and then a chief economist at the World Bank. So he's got a lot going on, smart guy, but basically, you know, we can spend a lot of time waiting for things to happen and it just takes forever ever and then when they do like it just happens quickly i think interest rates are a good example of that like you expect them to go up you expect them to go up you expect them to go up and they don't and they don't and they don't and then all of a sudden they do so there's lots of things that happen like that still waiting for flying cars and uh <laughs> wasn't that supposed to be like the thing of the future the 2000s flying cars but eventually we'll get them <laughs> yep maybe i don't know <laughs> Don't attempt to keep up with the Joneses without realizing the Joneses aren't any happier than you are. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many studies out there that say that, you know, if you earn income over a certain dollar amount, like it just 
no longer starts contributing to your your happiness or your social or like your financial security or anything like that. It's just extra. Yeah, you buy the the bigger house and you get that initial dopamine hit and happiness when you move in. But after a few months, it's just four walls and a roof and you kind of you get used to it and you're back to where you were before happiness wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most people's biggest expense is interest, which comes from living beyond their means and buying things they think will impress others, which comes from insecurity. So avoid those two and you'll grow richer than most of your peers. And a lot of that comes down to like higher interest rate purchases, like things that you buy on credit cards and, and, and stuff like that too. But, you know, chances are you don't need that stuff to impress anyone anyway. Nope. And this next one, number 28, by the late actor and writer Will Rogers is more or less a conciser version of, of that. Too many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people that they don't like. <laughs> There's a strong negative correlation between flaunting money and being rich. <laughs> so, yeah, wealth is what you don't see. It's not necessarily what we see that matters. Like, that could be all smoke and mirrors, but, yeah. Yeah, you know, if, uh, you, know, if you see someone with a $100,000 car... You know, all that means is that they spent $100,000 on a car and now they don't have $100,000 because they gave it to a car dealership to buy a car. So um, it's it, which I think makes uh, it so difficult for people to emulate because it's hard to emulate something you can't see. So growing your net worth is literally like what you don't spend. It's money you've saved and accumulated and it's without, you know, take an Instagram post of your checking account. It's hard to, it's hard to, for people to see like what true wealth accumulation looks like because you can't, it's not material. That would be like the most depressing hashtag ever. Can you imagine that? <laughs> checking account. Yeah. I think there was a trend, I don't know if it's still a thing, but people posting to social when their 401k hit a million dollars, like hashtag 401k millionaire. So um, That's cool. Yeah, just I guess that's a, a better thing than like flaunting your your uh, your cars and watches or whatever. All right. Anyways, number thirty. Moving on. Just as you should dress appropriately for your age, you should spend <laughs> appropriately for your income, and not a penny that's more. That's such a weird one. Dress appropriately for your age. That's like something my eighty-year-old mother would say. <laughs> well, we all know we all know the people who. Uh, <laughs> Who aren't dressing right for for what they are. <laughs> but yeah, don't spend more than you can afford to spend. So, you know, to put it in the doctor terms, like if you're a family practice physician, you know, you probably can't keep up with your, you know, surgeon friends. It's, uh, you're at different, different income levels, so therefore you got to be at different spending levels. It's just mm -hmm. it is what it is, basic math. This one's kind of sad. We're going to say it anyway. So Rihanna nearly went broke, and apparently her financial advisor got fired. And this is how they described her financial situation. Was it really necessary to tell her that if you spend money on things, you will end up with the things and not the money? So that's a quote. Yeah, maybe it was necessary to tell her that. But... <laughs> 
But I think now we've said it out loud. If you spend money on things, you have the things and not the money. Yes, pretty uh, pretty straightforward, um, but not always applied in practice. Then another one on the spending side of things, number 32 by the late Thomas Jefferson, never spend money, or excuse me, never spend your money before you have it. So what is that? Don't count your chickens before the eggs hatch. I'm sure there's other sayings along those lines, but uh, yeah, putting money on a, putting thing, buying things on a credit card with the idea, oh, I'm getting a bonus. I'll just pay it off then. And well, you may not actually get the bonus. We'll see. So. Mm-hmm. From a president a long, long time ago to a current president, <laughs> President Joe Biden, he said, don't tell me what you value. Show me your budget and I'll tell you what you value. So spend your money on the things that are important to you. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. Who said that one? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Bonus quote. All right. What are we, number 34? Uh, you wouldn't get in a car and drive around aimlessly, hoping to eventually arrive at a pleasant destination. So why would you even... Maybe con- you would. Maybe. Some people. <laughs> yeah. So why would you even consider doing this for your business? And that was said by Kuz Kruger, who's, a, I guess, an author and a business advisor. So, yeah, it's it's kind of the whole financial planning thing. Having a, a plan and goals and a rough game plan in place for how to achieve those goals is helpful and get you on the right track. Another old political quote, but most people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. That was John Beckley. He was actually credited as a first political campaign manager in the U.S. for Jefferson and Madison. So really old school, but I think that one's that's kind of iconic. They don't plan to fail. No one does, but sometimes they fail to plan. Yep. Speaking of planning and old people, Pablo Picasso is credited with saying, Our goals can only be reached through a vehicle of a plan in which we must fervently believe and upon which we must vigorously act. There is no other route to success. Route or route? 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 Hmm. I think I say route, but I think you can see I Route? Yeah. Path to success. So yeah, create a plan, believe in the plan, stick with the plan, and you'll get to where you want to go. So more recently, Maya Angelou said something similar. She said, you can only become truly accomplished at something you love. Don't make money your goal. Instead, pursue the things you love doing and then do them so well that people can't take their eyes off you. I really love that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I think I was listening to been Sports Talk Radio a while back. You know, if, if you can get people to pay to see you work you're uh, you're really good at your job you know come through a gate to go see Maya Angelou speak or see Michael Jordan play basketball or whatever um, so yeah put a lot of hard work and energy into the things you love and then it should eventually work out well for you all right number 38 always prepare yourself for a financial emergency even when you don't see a possibility of a rainy day in your future quoted by uh, Edmund, I'm going to butcher this, Edmund Mbiaka, a self-help writer. Um, But yeah, we we talk, that's the whole point of having an emergency fund is for when the rainy days come. Expect the unexpected. It will happen. So being prepared for it will make it easier to weather that storm. 
And now I have to say a French name. <laughs> so there's that's why a, we, a French... That's why I gave you the odd ones. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a French writer, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. I don't. I have no idea if I said that right. That's, but he said a goal like without American... a plan. <laughs> oh, shush. Sounds like an American French. pronouncing French. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Absolutely. Like, if you don't have a plan to get there, how are you going to get it? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And here's one that um, is great. I'm a a great believer in luck, and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it, by Thomas Jefferson. So, yeah, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So true. Um, You know, I think an example that will be outdated by the time you actually hear this, but I was watching the uh, the NBA play-in playoff game last night between the Warriors and the Lakers, and LeBron James hit the game-winning three after he was poked in the eye by Draymond Green. And he, he said, uh, I saw three rims, and I shot at the middle one. Um, so, you know, LeBron has worked pretty hard throughout his career to become the talent that he is. And it just goes to show, even if you can't see straight, if you work hard enough, you know, good things can hopefully come for you. I think I saw a stat, too, after the game that he he's second to Kobe Bryant in the last 25 years for most game-tying or game-winning shots in the last two minutes or overtime or something, or last minute. I forget what it was, but it was something pretty impressive. So work hard, and uh, good things should come to you. Another old white Thomas, Thomas Edison, (laughs) he said, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. I think a lot of us have to put in a lot of hard work to, to get to where we go. Yep, get your hands dirty and uh, knees scraped up and, yeah, work hard. Good things will come. Yeah, we know medical school and intern year and residency are not a walk in the park, that's for sure. Nor is being in practice either, taking call in the middle of the night (laughs) for some of you. So you guys Mm -hmm. know all about hard work. Yeah. All right, where are we, number 42? Mm -hmm. You can probably afford not to be a great investor you probably can't afford to be a bad one. So we don't need the best returns to reach our goals. Whenever you see all the news headlines, the media hype, the what's the hottest asset people are investing in today, the hottest stock, etc. You know, you don't need it. You don't need to be the best. Um, you just need okay results. If you have dismal results, that's going to be a tough uphill climb for you. But if you can just get okay results... Do a good job saving, save more than you spend, invest the difference, then, uh, then yeah, you'll get to where you want to be one day. Yep. Boring can often be a good thing when we're investing. There are over 60,000 personal finance books on Amazon.com. In aggregate, they contain about 3 billion words. That seems kind of absurd because 99% of personal finance can be summarized in nine words. Work a little spend a little oh work a lot that's terrible work a lot spend a little invest the difference master that and the other 2.99999 billion words are filler work hard spend less than you earn invest the difference pretty simple pretty easy Mm -hmm. number 44 getting into politics here here we go Your devotion to a political party or economic philosophy is directly proportional to your tendency to think irrationally about how 
politics affects your investments. Not trying to offend anyone here, but <laughs> let's separate church and state. You can find arguments on both sides of the aisle and mm -hmm. data and statistics to support those arguments. But at the end of the day, um, your investments and your politics should be in separate rooms, in separate houses, you know, far away from each other. Mm-hmm. This one's fun and political, too. <laughs> so, I love this one. I don't know where this quote came from. Don't let politics sway your investment decisions. Case in point, the United States Congress has been a dysfunctional swamp of disappointment since 1789. I feel like the word swamp is very loaded. And American stocks have done well ever since. So the stock market and politics are, are not necessarily intertwined to a great extent, especially not if you're just looking at congress and how much you think they can get done yeah or not get done or not get done all right number 46 short and simple assume the worst hope for the best accept reality so there's a lot of things that are out of our control you know worry never solves anything so let's not worry and stress about the stuff we can't control just you know prepare for the rainy days and uh you know just hope things are better, but we can't really control what's out of our control. Mm -hmm. It's strange that you go to the doctor once a year, but you check your investments once a day. I do feel like a lot of those folks that check their investments daily are also the folks that just never go to the doctor too. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, yeah, like they, it, it doesn't make sense. Like you can't fix something every day in your investments. Um, it's not the kind of thing that you need to be focused on that much of the time and it's probably not good for your mental health if you are no and it's out of your control like you can't control what starbucks's quarterly earnings reports are going to be when they announce like come on you know who cares you know go live your life go outside enjoy some sunshine all right number 48 check your brokerage account as infrequently as it takes to prevent rash decisions so maybe check your brokerage account on the same day you go to the doctor and that's it. That's all <laughs> Once a year. Mm -hmm. Most people need a financial advisor, but everyone needs a financial counselor or someone to talk them off the ledge before making a dumb decision. I guess I, I don't know that everyone is inclined to make dumb decisions, but I think we definitely have those blind spots and that's where like a, a counselor of some kind can come in handy and help you see those things. Or just, you know, a trusted you know, friend, sounding board, who can, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, the blind spots point out things that you may be overlooking. Mm -hmm. All right. Number 50, emotional intelligence is more important than book intelligence. I think this is especially true when it comes to investing. You can have all the academic research and data and studies, but, you know, what? what's another good saying? Um, I think, uh, Mike Tyson uh, was said it. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So, mm -hmm. you know, when the, you may you may have a game plan, but once your portfolio drops by forty percent because of a crazy whatever's going on in the world, you know, then you can really test your uh, emotional strength, if you will. Mm hmm. Yep. Here's another Warren Buffett quote. I will tell you the secret to getting rich on Wall Street. 
Ooh, he's telling us secrets. You try to be greedy when others are fearful, and you try to be fearful when others are greedy. We don't want to go too crazy with this, but it makes sense. You know, when things are, are down a whole bunch, if you have some money on the sidelines for whatever reason, you can decide to be greedy then. Um, it's a sale. Stocks are cheaper. It's yeah. good time to buy. Absolutely. No guarantees will go back up, compliance, but yeah. All right, so yeah, these are these three bonus ones. 51, Rochelle just said. Here's number 52. Investing should be more like watching paint dry or watching grass grow. If you want excitement, take $800 and go to Las Vegas. And that was said by Paul Samuelson, who's an economist, was the first American to win the Nobel Prize in economics. So, Yeah, I think that's one of those things where, like, you know, if you're, you're playing the GameStop game, on Robin Hood or something. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you're, it's gambling. It's, it's Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly Absolutely. think like the only reason some of that stuff has come about is because, you know, the pandemic, people couldn't fly to Vegas. They needed something to get their gambling fix on. So let's people are bored. <laughs> let's play with stocks. Yeah, money plus time plus boredom. That's uh, a dangerous recipe. But um, yeah, but yeah, investments, long-term investing. It, it is like, it should be like watching grass grow, you know, mm-hmm, watching absolutely. a tree grow. So, and last but not least, the four, the most, four expensive. most expensive words in the English language are this time is different or this time it's different. You say it too, Corey. This time it's different. This it's time different. it's different. Yeah, sorry. I was, uh, I got excited and tried to jump in there. This time it's different. So the the cause the catalyst might be different but you know, at the end of the day it's just people overreacting and you know, when it comes to investing as long as there's people on this planet we need to eat we need to buy things therefore there's opportunities for companies to deliver goods and services and opportunities for investors in those companies to long-term benefit from their success yeah I think COVID felt like that, like the whole pullback in the market in March, it it felt different, just even for people that knew that it wasn't going to be that different. Like it, I think it was because it was fast and it was like a pandemic, like we'd never dealt with before, shutdowns, like we'd never dealt with before. Like there were certain things about it that were different, but the market reacted very similarly. You know, there was a down and then there was an up. Yeah, pretty much. So, any other words of wisdom, Rochelle, before we call it a day? Nope. I, I have, I'm wisdomed out. There we yeah. go. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, you guys. Um, appreciate the support and, uh, and the reviews, the ratings. If you like it, give us a 10-star review. If you don't like the podcast, give us a 5-star review. And we'll, uh, we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Thanks, everyone. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. 
check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at theaffinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.